0: Hello and welcome to Off-Road and I'm your host Frank Ferraro and today our co-host is Andrea Catanio. Andrea welcome.
1: Hello Frank thank you so much for having me on again I always love co-hosting with you.
0: It's always great and you know something every time you come on we really really have a great response so you know we're we're always glad to have you. Um, You know
1: what I think it's just because we've been around a while and we have a lot of good stories to tell and things to share.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um so I was I was browsing um browsing LinkedIn and uh, I saw a couple a couple of uh uh posts about the SEC changing their rules when it comes to SPACs uh in terms of um the merger companies, like the new companies coming on and, um, so they really, really want a lot more transparency, mm. um, in on these deals. And what's amazing is that, you know, these, how these deals have come into fruition from when you and I, I think first started in this business, you know, I mean, I remember doing these deals, um, you know, as, as a retail stockbroker, Yeah. And they were called blind pools or blind trusts. And um, I mean, these offerings were $100,000, $50,000 and 50 shareholders or 40 shareholders. And you had to
1: follow rule 419 even back then. And I remember a guy named Nathan Lowe. I don't know if he's still doing these. I think maybe he's doing a lot of Israeli projects right now. And he's such a philanthropist. But I think it was early bird capital. They were doing so many. They were doing SPACs really before anyone was really, and from my recollection, that anyone was really- They're still doing them
0: now. Wow. They're still doing them now. What do you You know? know? So, um, absolutely, they're still doing them now. And, um, but the thing is, is that, you know, people don't realize it's a great way for some companies to go public. And... um, I was just recently talking to uh, a consultant who was consulting a company, uh, you know, on on different ways to go public and whatnot and different ways to raise money. And he had mentioned the SPAC route. And um, lo and behold, um, one of these big companies liked it but um along with the liking hey we want to do this that and the other thing there becomes a lot of work involved
1: oh my god oh my god it's so frank it's so complicated and expensive potentially unnecessarily because there are truly not that many private companies that the SPAC sponsors are that interested in they want a company that has been established and that has assets and revenues and is going to be, you know, likely to succeed in a meaningful way. And honestly, if that's the case, they should do an IPO themselves rather than potentially give up 30% of their company in a SPAC transaction, but well, neither here nor there, there that, that is a possible method for going public. If you meet the requirements of, Those that are the primary owners of these funded SPACs and the transaction where the private company is merging into this special purpose acquisition company that has money in it. We call that a DSPAC, because you're basically it's it operates like a reverse merger. But one other thing I'll mention before we go back into a little discussion about who should be doing these and why and what the alternatives might be. It, it looks very much like a public offering for two companies. There's an S-4 required uh, for this, this merger disclosure, and it is the most comprehensive registration statement that there is. So it's a lot of moving parts, and it's I've got to be honest, it's costly. And I, I don't want to say unnecessarily so, because if that's the way the company wants to go, so be it. But there are many other options available to all of those earlier stage companies that are not generating twenty million in revenues with you know a ten year history.
0: And and you know what it is? It's really about um, the certain stage that the companies are in and what they really, really need. You know, they have to have a certain need for that, and I think the the underlying back company has to have a want, you know, for that. Yes. Um, so, but let's back up a little bit and um, kind of, I mean, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about um, these specs and SPAC offerings before we even talk about what the Yeah. You know,
1: and the, there are a the lot platform. of them. You know, what we could provide mm-hmm. doesn't have to be now, but there are, even if someone just wants to see what's available in terms of specs, you could just go on a search engine and say available specs, and you'd be surprised- how many brokers there are out there that are literally just showing a list of what available companies that may have been mid-deal and the deal fell apart and they're available again. Um, But you really need experts involved to help you navigate where there might be issues if you're considering doing this particular version of a reverse merger.
0: Well, they have, I mean, you know, um, you know, knowing these transactions, I mean, these transactions also have, you know, some, some regulatory uh, things that they have to do as well. Like they have to find a merger candidate within two years. Um, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah,
1: it's actually less than that. You have only a certain amount of time, 18 months to, um, find that candidate and close, And if it doesn't work out within that requisite period of time, um, it's very expensive to get an extension. I mean, it's just very costly. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, So it is really in the SPAC's best interest to do its due diligence, to be very specific about what it's looking for. And there may be sponsors. There may be a couple of or an investment banking firm involved that's already raised the money. And maybe they're looking for a biotech, or maybe they're looking for, um, you know, a wellness company. Uh, You know, it could be a nutraceuticals company. They may have a, you know, a, a specific focus of what they're looking for, but to be shopping around for an extended period of time is not wise because the due diligence phase takes a while, right? And you don't want to waste too many months on that. You want to make sure that the fit is right and that everyone can afford it on the legal fee side, on the accounting fee side. And fees are definitely worth considering when a company is deciding what to do. The issuer or the private company that's looking to, or it could be a public company that's merging into a SPAC, which is way more complex than uh, a private company coming in. It's just more disclosure. Um, The issuer pays for all of the legal fees so when looking at how much it's going to cost to go in, it's not only their counsel, but it's underwriter's counsel or the you know SPAC sponsor. It might be an investment bank. Or it's their counsel, and it's the you know the accounting fees, you know, to get the audit done. So it really should be um, decided upon very thoughtfully and with the right team, so that you're not wasting a lot of time you know, ebbing and flowing and trying things without having the, um, the game plan, the routine down, you know, it's important.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I just, like, uh, like I said, I mean, it's, um, uh, and, but the thing is, is that, you know, once these companies actually do, um, do the deal, a couple of cool things happen. You know, there could be a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of cash coming into it. Sure. An- I mean, that's a big thing, you know, and, um, but the other thing is, is, that the company is also buying quarterly reports, annual reports, 8Ks, you know, all different. The cost of being videos.
1: a 34-op reporting yes. company, it ain't cheap.
0: Absolutely. So that's something that, um, that a private company has to seriously consider. Right. You know? But, um, hey, you want to know something? I mean... It takes the guesswork out of a lot of times it, i think i think if you did it that way it might take the guesswork out of um um uh, trying to get an underwriter to evaluate you and see yeah
1: that's such a good point that's such a good point yeah. and sometimes you'll have uh, a cfo or someone that's in the you know, the, the blindfold and the, and the SPAC and the shell company uh, that has public company experience and is willing to stay on. There may be some real synergies that make it a little bit easier for the, um, the new private company to come on in. And hopefully there's plenty of cash in there for uh, the company not to need to go out and raise capital right away. But the sort of cautionary tale is know about all of the fees that need to get paid out at closing, uh, from the very beginning, because what looks like it might be $20, 30, 50, hundred million dollars in a SPAC, there may be so many things that are um, have to be accounted for uh, that you wind up with it considerably less. So not every not every SPAC with cash in it is created equal. And it really requires a careful review because you don't want to wind up with very, very little if that was your goal and you end up wind, it, you wind up giving away a hearty percentage of your company. But I will say, if there's enough and if you're not giving up too much of the company's value and you're public reporting, you're on NYSE American or you're on NASDAQ, you can do a follow-on offering. You can do, ultimately you qualify for you know, S3 eligibility, a company can do an at the market transaction. So, once you're in that position as a listed company, the world can open up to you um, in terms of the capital markets. But I don't want to oversimplify it. There's all kinds of things to consider before going that SPAC route because it, it's pricey. I'm not going to lie, it's expensive. And it's a little complicated. but if all the stars align and it makes sense for the private company that's doing well and the deal that's negotiated is not too dilutive, and there's enough money to make it make sense to pay all the fees, it might it might be the best thing.
0: Why not? And what do you and and from from what you see on the street, you know, what do you think is like uh, the threshold for where a company could make that decision? You know, because you're not going to be talking about a a startup coming. No, no.
1: Those days are over. I had a client a few years ago and SPACs were going crazy. Um, There was a two year period where there was like constantly. You remember, it was just a few years back. I think it was right before COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, There were companies that were getting these very elevated valuations from bankers and everyone was making a lot of money. The SEC wound up coming down hard on some of these deals that had two and three types of exploding warrants and there were redemptions. And here there were companies that had no revenues. They were startups. I can't mention the name of this client in particular that I had, but an investment banker gave them a $150 million valuation. Another one gave another similar client a $300 million valuation. They were pre-revenue, um, but with technology and IP, and I'm pretty sure those days are over. Um, the bankers are being much more careful about doing, a th- getting a third-party valuation before um, entering into a discussion, let alone a letter of intent to well,
0: have a, I mean, a
1: merger or SPAC transaction done.
0: Well, I mean, right now, with, with the SEC and that new rule, this is, this is what it's all about. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the companies pretty much have to supply enough information to go on a, on a form. I mean... Yeah. They're doing an IPO no matter what.
1: Exactly. It's the same level of no, disclosure. Like no I mentioned the S4, the S4 is like very comprehensive. If a company prepared an S1 registration statement to file, even initially if it was confidentially for an IPO, ultimately the public before the IPO would see everything about this company that's required by the regulations. And the disclosure requirements are massive. And the Audited financial statements give the public a level of comfort that what this company is saying is truthful, accurate, its um, it's been confirmed, it's been verified. So um, those are all things that kind of go into the requirements of an IPO or even a going public organically with you raise money maybe in a private offering or a general solicitation offering, file a registration statement, And either apply to trade on OTC markets with what you used to do, you know, being Mr. 211 man, market maker who made markets in what 2000 stocks or so, or have the company wait until it's ready to qualify to list. And if I may say, not to discourage anyone from the public markets, if a company is so far away from qualifying to list, then it shouldn't be going public yet. It shouldn't be going public yet. You shouldn't have like a brand new startup that has a lemonade stand going public thinking that, wow, I'm going to be able to get all this money in a SPAC or I'm going to be able to take advantage of the capital markets. You need business fundamentals, management, some historical revenues and you know, profits. How novel. You want to have all of that so that even if you do the... Um, public offering without an IPO you should qualify to list. If you're if you're not even close to qualifying to list, if you don't have, you know, net income of seven hundred fifty thousand, or if you don't have um, shareholder equity of fifteen million, there's criteria for both NASDAQ and New York Stock Exchange American. Maybe you wait a while before you enter the world of the public markets and have that great expense, because it's not like a It's not this magical thing that happens that you're just showered with money because you're public. Remember when we first started doing this 30 years ago, so many companies thought, all I need is a symbol. That's all I need. I need a symbol and I'm going to be able to get finance no problem.
0: (laughs) It's a little different now.
1: You know what? It was even different then because companies who thought that were making a big mistake because it wasn't so easy to raise real money for these companies that didn't have the fundamentals, Right. But now, yeah, it's definitely a little harder, and it's good that it's harder. You know.
0: I mean, look, it just protects the public, which is, which is, you know, at best, that's that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Just Bingo. To the public, and you know, I mean, because you know, you you absolutely want to. Um, when, especially when you're investing in them, you, you just want to know the truth about things. That's all, you know, and that's all it's really doing. Yes. You know, kind of opening up that window for any kind of investment. And these transactions are big. Yes, So there's a lot of money involved in them. So, I mean, you know, the more, the, you know, the more transparency, the better, I think.
1: Uh, absolutely. And you know, that's really, the SEC came to be after the crash of 1929 and it was with good reason um too too much you know smoke and mirror opportunities there were promoters that weren't providing information and when we look at the regulations that are still really at the forefront you know the securities act of 1933 and the securities exchange act of 1934 these they're old they're they're around and the sec's been around since 33 this is like old stuff and i think 2000 the coming of um you know, things like Sarbanes-Oxley and Regulation FD, I think it was 2000 and 2002. Those were major pieces of legislation. And then all the changes of the JOBS Act brought in a lot of other exemptions. But we're talking about tried and true, all about, like you said, investor protection and making sure that uh, the public and existing shareholders are, are properly informed so that the decisions they make are based on something, right? They know what the numbers are. They know a bit about management. And if management had some issues or bought or sold securities in the company, it has to get disclosed, right? So there are no surprises.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on today. We had was a great discussion about SPACs and um, really, really uh, hopefully You know, if anybody has any questions that are listening or whatnot, you always know where to reach us. You can reach us in the bios. You can sign up. You can come on the website. Um... Please do.
1: Please do get our information. We're happy to. um, I'm happy to have a 15, 20-minute free consultation with anyone who'd like to talk about the possibilities of considering this path for going public. Uh, You may find that you have more options than you realize, so yeah, let's share everything either in the chat or I think we've got a landing page that folks can go to if they want to learn more. And we're here to help.
0: Well, all righty. Until next time, I'm Frank Ferraro and Andrea Catania. Bye-bye. Take care. Coming from off-road. All righty. Take care. Bye-bye.